being in some long-term relationship and being pissed off at pissed off at Chris because he didn't take the trash out or something, you know, it just, it which just, is a current situation yeah. in our house. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you know? So welcome right. to the walk of shame, the walk of shame radio podcast. Isn't that the only one that counts? The only one. Yeah, exactly. From relatively warm, beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona, it's the Walk of Shame Radio Podcast. It's Dr. Tony Dufresne, relationship expert, millennial mentor, along with the wonderfully pregnant Mariah Perrick. How you doing? Doing great, Tony. Done. Well, so here we're back, and uh, there were a few things that we wanted to talk about this week. One that we kind of decided on was being in a relationship where the feelings aren't mutual. Mm-hmm. Where you have one person that has a certain level of feeling towards another person, and the other person doesn't seem to necessarily be on board. Yes. And I'm not talking about being in some long-term relationship and being pissed off at pissed off at Chris because he didn't take the trash out or something. You know, it just it which just, is a current situation yeah. in our house. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you know? And I just totally threw that out there as a as a obscure possible example. But it, but it's situations like that. It's not about that. I'm talking about situations where you're getting to know somebody or you are in a relationship of a, let's just say, relatively short period. I mean, kind of a dating thing, maybe. And you start developing these feelings and then you hope the other person's doing it at the same time. Because as we know, nothing ever happens synchronicity-ish wise where both people progress at the same level. It's typically kind of an ebb and flow and usually one person outpaces the other. Right. I guess Absolutely. If, if, if it's a good way to put it. So we wanted to talk about being uh, having personal experiences on both sides of that thing. Having having feelings for somebody that they aren't necessarily reciprocating and and they may not have and you hope that they have finally get it, but they ultimately don't and then you live in denial and yada yada yada. Or being on the side of this person's really nice, and I I started off this dating thing with these pe- with this person, and I really like him as a person, but I I don't get that tingle, mm. and uh, it's not it's just not progressing for me. It's not happening for me, and I can see that they might be jumping on the A train and heading down the line, whereas I'm still sitting on the platform with my bags going. I don't think I'm getting on. <laughs> so I wanted to start off uh, with your personal experience and your experiences seem to be more on the side of Ooh, this person maybe is going a little fast for me. Is that sort of your... Okay, so this is sort of how it happens. And this is exactly what has happened with both of the serious boyfriends I had prior to meeting Chris. Both of them started off super strong. I mean, showing up at my house with roses and tickets to the ballet and oh, hello. impressing the family and just like kind of throwing themselves into the deep end before I was even remotely interested. Kind of that very chivalrous approach, that courtship type thing. Okay. How, okay. How was it? I, and I don't want to interrupt, but no, yeah. how was that with somebody who came off as being pretty, I don't know, not over the top, but pretty strong at the beginning with, I mean, that's, that's a, you know, most guys show up and just, just for them to get out of the car and not honk right. is a big step. So it worked for me because I 
have always been a hopeless romantic. I don't need you to spend a lot of money or make these huge grand gestures, but if you take the time to to kind of woo me, so to speak, um, <laughs> it works usually. I mean, that that has worked for me because if you take the time to recognize what my interests are and do things that you think are sweet and that I'll appreciate, I will appreciate your effort. And effort goes a long way for me because if you have that persistence, I take you more seriously. Do you think that's a girl thing? I mean, do you guys yes. Do you guys look for that in general? Yeah, mm. I think so. I mean, some girls might not, but I think for the most part, we kind of like that. I don't know. I'm, it's dated way back. I mean, this is how men used to do it. You kind of court a woman and kind of show her that you're serious and that you're really interested. It worked for me for both of these guys. And then what would end up happening is once I started to get comfortable and committed to the relationship and I was excited about things were where things were going, all of a sudden there was this shift and it was like they knew they kind of had me where they wanted me and they didn't need to put in the effort anymore. Ah. And that for me, I get it. Things kind of wax and wane. Like you're not going to obviously be doing these grand gestures all the time and you're not going to be in this hopeless, romantic, rosy glasses state of affairs all the time. But I would still try at that point to be doing things that were sort of sweet, whether it be to really make a big deal about their birthday or to sweet text messages, emails, whatever. Now, did it go from 100 to zero? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. See, because we tend to do that. You know that. We guys, and I'm overgeneralizing, obviously, but we guys who are ignorant to how things work, I suppose, or before we get educated on it, we go into it to buy into me. Right. And then once we feel as though you've bought in, then we way let off the gas. Oh yeah, usually, and uh, not a lot. Sometimes it's not a hundred to zero, but still, you can sense it for sure. And that's why I asked if it was a big difference. Oh yeah, that my whole thing is okay. Once that happens, I understand you're going to let off the gas a little bit. But if I start to bring things up to you, like for example, call me back, or if I text you. Text me back. It doesn't have to be immediate, but like, you know, do it. I like, gotta, like within, within the 48 to 72 hour window? I mean, are we... Like that day, because I know <laughs> that you have your phone in your freaking pocket. I know, because I when I'm with you, you're checking it constantly. Yeah, but my battery died. Okay. And uh, the screen's cracked and yeah, I can't read yeah, it. Excuses. Yeah, excuses. Uh-huh. Or, you know, how about my boyfriend that studied abroad and he had been dating for two years and he left and went to Europe, and that was that. So, and then I had to break it off with him because in four months he couldn't just say, "Hey." Four months. Four months. No calls. An occasional email from a little Java cafe. You, yeah. you let it. You let this go for four months mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I was in college, and I was dumb as rock. Ah. Uh, and I was hopelessly in love. And I wanted to believe with every fiber of my being that this is just what happens when people go abroad and it would all sort itself out. But I got pissed. Well, see, so you actually have been on that side of the coin then. Yeah, I guess I have. <laughs> you know, before the show, we were talking about, you know, our personal experience. And she's like, well, the times that I had, really, I I, I was only on the, the side that I lost the feelings and then I had to break it off. And then now all of a sudden, lo and behold... Lo and behold, but it's weird. It's a weird phenomenon. It's not like the whole time these guys have been fast and furious and going the right way in the right direction. And I decided I don't feel that way. It's like I felt very much in love and very much excited about the relationship. And then they forced my hand 
because they kind of fell off the train but were afraid to say it. To me, it would just be easier to call me and say, hey, babe, this has been real. It's been fun. But I'm I'm in Europe now and I need to do my thing. And the polite thing to do at this point is to break it off with you because I'm not interested. But so, so you they got hang to, on. Right. So, but yeah, do you think they hang on because they just don't want to face the hard reality of ripping the Band-Aid off? Maybe. Not that that was a rhetorical question, but I will tell you what a lot of people do. Okay, a lot of people will sabotage the relationship when they feel as though they're not in it anymore. Like like mm-hmm. Mr. Europe. Mm-hmm. Mr. Europe. And he won't call because he knows if he doesn't call, it'll you'll get bent. Right. And you'll get bent and he'll say, Oh, I'm sorry, and then he'll be inconsistent again to the point where he gets you to be the bad guy. Mm. He gets you to do to make to take that reaction or take the action of breaking up to where he can say, Oh, she broke up with me. Right. So I mean I, that people are notorious for doing that. I buy into that theory. Um, but I also have this other little theory where I think sometimes, especially younger guys, I can't say it now so much because I'm in a different place in my life, but back then I was told many times, and I was actually told this at my high school reunion, you have always been the kind of girl a guy would want to marry. But maybe not date. <laughs> which is weird. Uh <laughs> So (laughs) explain. So I think like I think growing up, part of it was that what it was, was that guys could see in the future, I would be a great girl to settle down with parents like me. I'm responsible. I'm loving. I'm caring. I would be a great wife. Right. But maybe at the time, I'm not like as exciting. I'm not as risque. I'm not as, um, you know, I don't do drugs. I wasn't a big drinker. I kind of was on the straight and narrow and had a huge focus on school and career and all of that. So maybe not as much fun for a college guy. And so I think what ended up happening with the two that I dated seriously was that they kind of thought, well, she's not really, she's not a squeaky wheel about it. She's not really saying much to us. And long term, this could be a really great thing. And right now, she's kind of letting me be a huge dick and do whatever I want and get away with it. And so why not have my cake and eat it too? You know, I'm over here in Europe probably banging 15 chicks a night. Mm -hmm. But my sweet girlfriend back at home, I mean, she'll be there when I get back. And so why would I break up with her? Because my parents love her. And, you know, I think I do love her. I don't really know. But I'm trying to like, you know, sow my oats and also not lose something that could be really good in the end. Because there were no expectations. The, you guys right. didn't set any as he left. And then so you were just in the in the waiting room, basically. Right. And I was a bad communicator then. I was very much not someone who expressed my opinion in a relationship until I exploded, <laughs> which I have learned from and I express myself regularly now. That's a tough thing to learn, yeah. though. Uh, I mean, if you're used to that and if you're my, that's how my my mom was in mm. terms of just everything. She wouldn't say anything, wouldn't say anything. And then it was like Armageddon. Correct. Over the, the most mundane little tiny oh, yes. thing, like a fork is fell on the ground or something. And then it would be like Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're like, it's just a fork, but that's not it. That's it's not every, it's everything. No. It's 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 the dam is holding back all right. that other stuff from the past. Uh, you know, when I got out of college and I was living in Boston, I had a couple different guys who were interested in me and wanted to date me, and I would entertain that and I would go out. I tried to be a little bit more open to new people, so I would say, oh yeah, yeah, I'll meet you for dinner or whatever, and. 
they would maybe hop on the train really fast and think things were going in a good direction after one or two dates. And I, if I didn't feel that way and I could see the writing on the wall, I was really quick to say, you're a really nice guy, but no, because I didn't want anybody to feel like I had felt. Right, exactly. And I have figured out that even if it stings a little bit, to be honest, I would rather someone be honest with me right off the bat and say, I just don't see this going anywhere exciting, mm-hmm. than to have them drag me along until I have to be the bad guy because they're self-sabotaging. Yeah, and it's that that's a that's a really important skill to have. And it's a very tough thing to figure out if if you're if that's gonna be the best case thing to do. Overall, it uh, it's gonna sting either way. And somebody, if somebody feels as though it's kind of been unloaded on them, like at the second date coffee thing, if you're doing like an online thing Mm -hmm. and the person says, you know, I'm really not, this isn't doing anything for me. Uh, it could be kind of a blow uh, in the moment, but overall you're saving yourself the time and effort. Is it almost an intuitive thing that you can sense that, that, that guys are coming in you know, they're, they're looking for the spot. They're like, looking for the spot. Oh, you can sense it. <laughs> what are some of the things that you that you can see or sense that, that you know a guy's coming in full force? Okay, so if they're super over the top, like I had a guy who I went out with him on Cinco de Mayo to a Mexican restaurant. And it was just a, a guy who had been interning in my office. He seemed really nice. He was super quiet. And he was talking a lot about himself. I can tell if you have inflated your ego and your accomplishments and you're telling me wild stories and you're really trying to like put out all you're trying stuff. To, you're trying to sell yourself. You're trying to sell right, yourself. Right. I can see it if you're trying too hard. And also at that, that same guy, when we left, I was definitely giving a lot of body language that I was not super interested. Okay. And well, most guys don't get that. Or obviously just, just not saying, because right. he grabbed me by the back of the head and okay. planted one right on my face. And oh, I was okay. like, Oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> I was not interested. I, I, ugh. yikes. So when they just, and you know, you can tell their hormones are raging and they've probably had too much to drink and whatever. That's whatever it is, what it is. But yeah, if they're if they're trying to sell themselves too much or they're or they're just a little bit too eager and moving things a little bit too fast, like, you know, PDAs are fine, but you gotta gauge where a girl's at. Like understand body language. You gotta learn body language. Huge. Absolutely positively agree hundred and ten percent. I talked about I talk about body language all the time yeah. with my clients, and it's super easy to figure out the small stuff. I mean it's yes. it's very complex overall, mm-hmm. but you can easily get a couple books and read through them real quick or just look at some articles and stuff about basic stuff. Yes. To sense that energy exchange between you two. Yes. And to and to understand, you know, where they where they are and if they're open or not to that or because the thing is that you guys are great at it. You guys are great at not only seeing it and understanding what it is. You're also great at giving it Mm -hmm. yet. uh, We typically from the guy standpoint do not do uh, very well with the, with understanding body language. That's the first thing I talked to a lot of my guy clients about. And if you go to uh, dating sites and stuff that they will talk a lot about that. Mm hmm. And it's not necessarily, it. and it has nothing to do with manipulating anybody. It just has to do with if you want to say something and if you want to show that you have a level of confidence and you have a level of value, like an intrinsic level of, I have some value to give here. Because any guy coming up to you and starts throwing out their resume, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. on stuff or or you know how many Mount Kilimanjaros that they that they climbed. That's that just shows you that he's trying to overcompensate and trying to sell himself. You don't sell yourself by throwing out your shit. You sell yourself by asking other per- people questions about what they want and what they're yes. looking for. That is so and then true. You, and then you listen. Again, it's the it's the asking questions and listening part that is huge. Mm-hmm. And that'll go, guys, a lot farther than sitting there and trying to list off your curriculum vitae to some girl to make her, you know, impressed. Or t- if you're going to start pulling out your accomplishments, do not tell me about your money. I don't want to know. I am so much more impressed if you tell me that every Saturday you volunteer and you ha- take care of rescue kittens or some stupid shit. That's fine. But do not tell me that you make six figures at some huge corporate office in the middle of the city. I don't want to know. That's awful. It comes down to, and the, and the reason why a lot of guys do that is because it's a, it's part of, it's an instinctive thing. It, and, and money has taken the place of caribou hides or the, right. the amount of meat you have in the corner of your cave. Right. That's what it's taken place of. It's it's that thing that shows you that we have value on some level and that we can take care of you. Right. And so if we throw that out there and we can we think that that can overcompensate for the fact that we are just a giant turd socially. Right. However, it does not. How, and I'm sure some girls, I mean, you know, you okay, watch some, enough of these oh, shows. Oh, some I I've known some girls who just don't care about right. what the guy is or what he looks like or whatever the case may be. If he's going to buy her a bunch of stuff right. or take her on you know, a weekend trip to Vegas and stay at the penthouse, she doesn't care. Right. But that's pretty far. That's few and, far. and that's not the person that you want to be with anyway. No. That's there. I mean, they're fucked up. Right. There's a lot of, lot of damage there that you don't want to deal with. And it's not going to take you anywhere. No, at it's all. not. So, I mean, it's okay to talk about yourself and it's okay to share things, but I would say let that happen organically in the conversation. If I'm talking about my study abroad to Argentina and you say, oh my God, that's so crazy. I used to live in Chile. Great. Cool. Now we have something in common instead of you just spouting off a bunch of crazy stuff that you've done. Just the fact you said Chile would impress me. (laughs) Thank you. I want to jump into... A couple of the experiences that I had to kind of circle back to this whole, because I, I think it's important. The thing that I, that I think it's important to understand is, is that when you're on one side of the coin, when you're on the side of you go out on a date and you're with this person and you like them and you're trying to generate something and you, you go out to dinner, you have drinks or whatever, you go bowling, whatever the case may be. And after two or three times, you're kind of getting into the swing of things and before sex. Okay. So let's keep that out of it. Right. And feelings start to come up and you start to sense the other person might be pretty into you. Mm-hmm. Let's just say pretty into you to the point where it's more than you're into them. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, well, I mean, I don't know. I've been in a situation where I thought, well, hell, I got into this for a reason. I don't know what it was in, right. at the moment <laughs> because there was, there was not a spark there. It's, you know, it's, it's a tough gig because you you like to get into things where you're like blown over, you know, mm-hmm. where they take your breath away and all of a sudden you're in this whirlwind romance. Right. And uh, and not even it doesn't even have to be romance, you just be, you know, find yourself at, at the on the hotel um roof in in, in, in Mazatlan <laughs> taking care of taking care of business next to the big Air conditioning that can unit. Like, yeah. I mean, I I've heard it happen. I don't I've know. Heard. Personally, I don't no. know what. Of course that not. Is. Yeah, clearly. 
also situations where it's just, uh, and that's something where you think, and most of the time, in my experience and experiences that I have uh, dealt with with other people, that doesn't end well Mm-mm. because it's based on a subconscious, almost a neurotic connection where it's just this heat, this animalistic heat where you just, you make this connection and it's just batshit crazy good, mm-hmm. but it burns itself out most of the time. Pretty quickly. So then you get, so at, so you bounce out of that and it, you know, it ends not well usually. And you think, okay, well, I'm going to try to get something in there that's a little more, I'm going to say cognitively based, mm-hmm. you know, like more that. so than just, just the passionately damn, I got to have her now. Right. It's more like, hey, she's nice and she's nice to animals and uh, she has a good family and blah, blah, blah. And she's cute. You know, she has the attractive part. And then you get into that. And then you, because you think that, that that's probably better mm-hmm. consciously. And then you roll into it and you give it a shot. And then you're like three dates in or whatever. And, and you're like, oh, man, I don't feel I don't. It's not happening. It's not happening. It's not. Well, by this time, of course, because you're being authentic and you're into it, and then let's just say she gets into you, and she's just the nicest person in the world. But I, it just, it's not going to happen. Mm. I just don't feel it. So I'm like, oh, fuck. So then I feel terrible, mm-hmm. yeah, because it's not fair to her to put her into the par- point where she's gotten to that that vulnerability level. Mm-hmm. In terms of the feelings and, and now wanting to open up to me. So that's where I, and I, and I know that's where a lot of people do the ghosting thing and they just bail. They pull the, they, they just pull the string <laughs> and they're like, they, they, they jump. Yeah. Uh, and I, that's a hard thing. It's a hard thing not to do. Cause that's the easy way to do it. Just, you know, just to take, just leap, just go, just mm-hmm. run away and not deal with it anymore. The responsible thing is obviously to confront it and say, listen, it's for some reason this isn't working and, and um, I'm not, I don't think I'm going along the same lines as you are. And that would be the best way to obviously handle it in the long run. It's not going to, it's, I've been at a situation where a girl had called me. I did online dating a number of years ago and we were fine and we, and you know, we'd hook up. It was mostly just a hookup thing, but, uh, but we were together for a while. And then finally she said, I think it was getting too much for her. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was never completely sold on it like it was a soulmate thing or like it was a long-term deal. Right. But I enjoyed being around her. But she got to the point where she had called up and said, and, and gave me the, the, the talk or the speech. Hey, you know, you're a hell of a nice guy, blah, 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 but I'm just not feeling it. I'm not. And even though I didn't, I, I wasn't head over heels in love with this girl. There was still that uh, rejection. There was yeah. still that, uh, you yeah. know, that twist of the it. knife yeah, in totally. the gut where you're like, well, what the fuck is wrong with me? Right. You know, which it has nothing to do with. But, but in, in that moment, you'd, you'd certainly personalize it because you think to this person who spent time with you and who you guys were together and you did have a good time with, then, then, you, keep, then you go back to that whole thing about, well, you know, what about all those times that we had together? And what about the times I made you laugh? And what about those? I mean, you know, but right. But was I not good enough? Or yeah, not? yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ultimately, the best part about being on the other side of things is the fact that, you know, the reasons why and it has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. It just has to do with how things worked out between you. 
right. in terms of the two energies put together. But isn't it fascinating? In the moment, in, on both sides, in the moment on that side of making that call or, you know, not, or going to Europe and not texting your girlfriend at home, uh, and, and, uh, and also in the moment of being on the other side where somebody calls you up, and uh, says, you know, I, I'm just not into you any, mm-hmm. anymore or whatever. It's really hard to think of the other side. Right. Even when you've actually been on the other side before. Mm-hmm. It never feels good. Both sides suck. Never does. Never. Never does. And, that's, and I think that's a big thing and it, it, because I, I, th- I think a lot of people are trying to find a solution to it not having any consequence and thinking that, well, maybe the more I go through it, the less it'll impact me. And yes and no, because it still will, because oh, well. all of our emotional strains are very sensitive mm-hmm. and vulnerable too. Right. And that's why we have cognitive rationalization and we have you know all that stuff to be able to protect us that way. And the ego, to, a lot of times the ego gets in the way because it, it gives you that false sense of bravado and all that crap, especially with guys. But all that being said... It you you still have to go through it, and it's I can tell you that the more it does happen, that the quicker you get out of it, mm-hmm. you and, learn how yeah, to. Yeah, because you because you'll you'll still feel like oh shit, and go through that whole self evaluation nonsense, mm-hmm. even on both sides too. Because even because when you cut it off, you don't feel good. No, I mean I've done that a number of times, and all and I can remember you know the the girls that I did that with I. They're just super great people. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with that. It just and so then there's a guilt of why did I put them through this type of a thing, right? And then it, you know should I or shouldn't I have and blah blah blah. But the bottom line is what we the reason why we wanted to talk about this is because to say that it's going to happen mm-hmm. and there's really no way around it. But understand that, or the sooner that you understand, they have their particular reasons, and it's not about you. It's just about both of you guys together, which is a third thing. Right. The relationship and you got the energy with you two is a totally separate thing than you or her. Right. So if the relationship isn't working, it doesn't mean the baby gets thrown out with the bathwater, which means you get thrown out with it in terms of you being rejected. It's just the essence of both of you together mm-hmm. that doesn't work for that person. And if we're living in a day and age where everyone's goal or most people's goals are to find one person to spend forever more with forevermore forevermore you would think and hope that you would be discriminating right like you can't just say well i feel really bad and that's a nice person i'm just going to stick this out because you know how many sense. people do so many yeah. which is why it's like a 50% divorce yeah. rate because yeah. then we snap and we say oh my god yeah. i should have been more discriminating or seen the writing on the wall but yeah. i didn't I really wanted it to work and I didn't want to be alone or I didn't want to hurt them or let them down Mm -hmm. or vice versa. And it's, but it's like anything else in life. Like if you think about, I mean, do you just become an adult and know exactly what you want from the age of 21 on? Hells no. No, we switch careers. We Mm -hmm. switch. I mean, we get degrees that are different. We move to new locations. We make new friends. We lose friends. Like why, why should your relationship be any different than any other experience you have to grow and become who you are. Exactly. And that, and that's, that brings up a good point. A lot of times relationships will be, you'll grow out of them Mm -hmm. and it, it won't even, 
it won't even matter that I mean, first of all you're never the same person and neither is the other person that's i think that's a big fallacy that people grow up with mm-hmm. the fact that well we love each other and we're gonna and this is it and and so i my expectation of this person is exactly how they are now because that's cool and i can accept that and vice versa whereas you're not giving space for the relationship to expand mm-hmm. to where it's going to go And sometimes it expands and people grow in different directions. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, then it happens. And then just, and it is what it is. Right. That goes into that whole reasons that we get married in the first place. And it's such a, I don't know. I have my own opinions about it. I know. It's so hard. (laughs) It has my, I have my own opinions about it. I think it's amazing. And I think that uh, I ultimately, I think five to seven years is a great time to be, to, to have a, a capsule of a marriage with somebody because you can do so many amazing things with somebody that you really dial into for that period of time mm-hmm. and you can you can really help them and they can help you and, bo- and both you guys can really bring this new energy to this world. I think by that time, you really go through a life cycle to where you there's new experiences and new things and I think it almost restricts you. I know you probably don't want to meet or talk about this being no, newly married, but right. you know, it's my, it's, it's, it. it's my gig <laughs> seeing as though I've been divorced a couple times, but, and then when you get to that point and I think it's time to either redefine completely what that, what that marriage means and see if it still fits right? or to, or just, just take that for what it was and put it on the shelf and forever remember that as an amazing experience of two great people that uh, made a positive impact on the world. Um, both together and uh, both individually and then, and then together as a team. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the way it should be. It should be done. And I know that millennial wise, uh, that is not necessarily maybe that theory, but something cl- relatively close to that is being taken to heart more and more mm-hmm. because it's the old standard, the old standards of growing up and meeting somebody and getting married, having kid two and a half kids and, and, white picket fence and all that kind of stuff is going by the wayside because that's Mm -hmm. not the world we live in anymore. No. And it's getting harder because it was different back then. It was different even for our parents. Um, I don't want to say marriage was a financial transaction, but in a lot of ways, especially when women didn't work or when it was taboo for you to be a mom and work and also have kids and all of that, you needed to have that family unit to function in society. Yeah, absolutely. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. So people stuck things out more and they just sort of accepted that this was the status quo and this is what we all do because this is how we survive. We leave our family and we join another family unit and that's how we get by in this society. And as our opportunities have equalized and as the world has gotten more global and people, I mean, my whole family is on the East coast. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've never left. They don't buy, they don't even move into new houses. (laughs) They stay in the same damn house for 35, 40 years. Mm -hmm. And that's not a bad thing, but it's just a different world that we are living in. We can't even find jobs half the time in the places we want to be. So we are driven by so many different variables now than what drove people in the past. We have to move. We get new jobs. Things are changing more quickly. Everything is changing, changing so quickly that we can't possibly be expected to keep up relationship-wise if all of these other factors are changing. It's an old paradigm. I absolutely, positively, 100% agree with that. 
and with how the millennials are overall are mm-hmm. seeing how this is. I heard something really, really cool a couple days ago, and it was uh, a, a thing on NPR, I think. And they were talking about uh, millennials talking uh, about you know and, and how work has changed, and they're talking about work and and projects and contracts and stuff like that. Which is it's it's that's the society we live in. It's mm-hmm. more of a contract. Um, individual con- personal contractor type of a society. So the shift in the paradigm now is instead of, and I always hated when somebody says, uh, "What do you do?" Ugh. Um, what uh, you know, know. like, like uh, uh, what you know, what are you? What are you? Well, I'm a plumber, or I'm an electrician, or I'm no, you're not. You are you. You have a job, which happens to be you, you do wiring or something. But the shift that I heard that millennials are making now is and and what they're saying at cocktail parties. Oh, I'm excited to hear this. You know, the bonfires is instead of that, they're saying, what are you working on? Oh, I like that. So do I. I love that. What are you working on? You talk about putting it in perfect context. Right. What are you working on? Which means it's more Mm project-based and it's also doesn't define you. No. It's what you're hap- you happen to be working on in the moment. So mm-hmm. it's very, very aware in terms of uh, placing you in a momentary aspect uh, versus you being defined as this person that gets up and goes and works on pipes all day for right. 30 years. Right, as if that's years. all you have to offer. Well, clearly. Right. Yes. Well, exactly. and I tell you, this um, that is very fitting because the past couple months, as you know, I haven't been working. And for someone who went from age, I mean, age 11 babysitting and then working at the restaurant every summer and the eight, the A team, the A team, -team. you know it, clam bake A team (laughs) at the clam bake, the clam bake. That's it. Um, I, I'm a worker and I love working and I've always worked. And so when I got pregnant and got really sick and then had a job that didn't work well for the state I was in physically, which was to be on a rehab floor where I was lifting hundred pound, 200 pound people, you know, and then also throwing up constantly. You, you, I, you, you were throwing up constantly? Constantly. Every single day. I threw up for the first four months, every day, multiple times a day. Why? Because I was pregnant. Oh, because you were pregnant. Pre- okay. Right, right. I, so, I thought this, I was putting it, I thought, really? That, no, when you no, first started the job, job. <laughs> you, were, you, were, you were hurling? <laughs> hurling. I hated it so much. No. Yeah, perfect. I love my job. No, but so when I had to reevaluate and say, oh, yeah, this is yeah. physically, I cannot do this job. If I was working in an office still, maybe, but mm-hmm. I cannot do this job like this. So I had to quit. And I struggled so much for the first, I mean, I think it took me probably till a couple of weeks ago to really wrap my head and be like, you know what, this is what it is. But it's because I can't tell you every time you go out, you meet someone new. What do you do? What do you do? I do what do nothing you do? What right do you do? Now. Exactly. And I, oh, or I have to tell the whole story and mm-hmm. I don't want to keep telling the story. I don't care. It's just, but it's because internally I was so used to identifying myself by my career, that when I didn't have that anymore, I either lied because I didn't want to explain or I had to give the song and dance and defend myself. And really, it's just a blip in the road. I mean, I'll be back to work in no time, but what the hell? But it, it totally right. made me crazy. Isn't it amazing? The, the, it, it's amazing how we almost, autom- not almost, we automatically infer that our career or our job is really our identity. Mm-hmm. What do you do? You know, we I mean, I, I used to say, well, people think I'm weird anyway, so it doesn't really matter. The, the top's off that can. 
<laughs> but they say, what do you do? I go, well, I get up, I have breakfast, I eat cereal, I, I have a coffee. And they're like, no, 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 no. What do, you, what do you, you know? And then they'll go through the dog. Because I hate that question. So yes. don't you feel as though if somebody came up to you now and said, what are you working on? Yeah. Wouldn't that be, It'd be almost awesome. empowering? It to, would be so empowering. To, to bring through your own creative, own unique creative aspect to things? Yeah. Because then instead of saying, oh, I'm a nurse... I could say, I'm working on growing a human. I'm working on a blog. I'm working on a podcast. I'm working on grant writing and volunteering. I'm working on, you know, my house. And think I, about, whatever. yeah, and think about how that opens up the conversation. So much more interesting. Than, than rather than saying, you know, what, what do you do? And right. then somebody says, I'm a nurse. Oh, well, that sounds really great. Instead of that, somebody, if you, if you offer to them, what are you working on? It could be literally anything, and it could open up. It what it does, what I think it does, is it really gives the person license to express the things they're most passionate about. Yes, and that's the thing you want to get to from a conversational standpoint. That's the thing you want to get to, to people to open up with in the first place, especially in terms of like a dating situation. Oh God, yeah, it's so much easier that way. I mean, really, it's I a mean, way that, more open-ended question. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mean, agree. it just, it, and it keeps things rolling. And it's very, and it's sort of unexpected uh, still, I think. I hate that question. I know. <laughs> oh, let's strike it. We're striking All right, it. We're, we're, we're going to let that go. If you do find yourself in a position where you are dating and you have had feelings for a person and it's going along and then all of a sudden it kind of shuts down unexpectedly and you don't know why, uh, or you start nitpicking on shit that, that you really, that really isn't that big of a deal then you might be self-sabotaging it because it, it might be getting too close emotionally. That's, mm-hmm. all, that's all I have to say is just make sure that you understand the reasons why the thing is shifting. Mm-hmm. It could be an inside, could be a you thing. It could be just the fact that you never bought into it, which is a totally different gig. So right. pay attention to that because it's important. You don't want to self-sabotage because you, uh, I know a very good friend of mine who does that constantly mm-hmm. self-sabotages when it gets too close. And she's still single and frustrated. Yep, I'm sure she is. Yeah, and that's that's what happens. So uh, remember, it's javabud.com, the website. All the stuff's up there. Also, at the Javabud Twitter. Also, with Mariah. Mariah's got a blog that you should really uh, read because it's fun. Oh, hey, thank you. So, and it's thank called you. what? And mango makes three dot wordpress dot com. I, I keep thinking of mango like SNL mango. Yeah, no, it, like, it really was because of the size of my baby at the time that I ah. started the blog. It just seemed cute. The baby's now the size of a honeydew melon, so it doesn't really fit anymore. Honeydew melon doesn't flow as well as mango. Nah, mango sounded better, and I found some really great graphics. So okay, good. Yeah. Say it again. It's what is it? And mango makes three dot wordpress dot com. All right. Well, have a good week, and we'll uh, talk to you next week. See you later.